Yeah, I, I think <laughs> about how lucky I am to be playing here. You can get me laughing here now. I love this. <laughs> Look at him. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't talk for a minute. Oh, that's a great laugh. Outdoors and uh, having a good mental attitude and uh, raising nine children and now 25 grandchildren. Oh, but boy, how lucky can you be? That's it. Lucky you. Best 36 holes in golf. You tuned in to Alternate Shots Podcast. Arnie's Army. Where we talk about golf. Barkies, Sandys. Poker. Bond. James Bond. Horse racing. I'm all in. Great movies. Alfred Hitchcock. We have no script. And down the stretch they come. We're glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lucky you. You've just tuned into Poker, Ponies, and Pars. And I saw something there, my, my first trip there, that is indelibly marked in my brain. And there's a message to everybody out there when it comes to the Las Vegas casinos. I drove past, I was in a cab. We were going from uh, Circus Circus back to the Las Vegas Hilton. And there was a big neon sign in front of a diner. Biscuits and gravy, 25 cents. Wow. And I was like, holy mackerel. But I, I realized, you know what? what? That place might be crowded. All I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? No, no. What's on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players around. I'm not changing nobody. Take take it easy, buddy. I'm only asking you who's the guy on first base. That's right. Okay. I would like to play for the St. Louis team. Well, I might arrange that. I, I would like to catch. Now, I'm being a good catcher. Tomorrow's pitching on the team and I'm catching. Yes. Tomorrow throws the ball and the guy up... Bunch the ball. Yes. Now, when he bunts the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out at first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw it to first base. Yeah. Now, who's got it? Naturally. Who has it? Naturally. 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 Okay. Now, you've got it. I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. I know you he don't. You throw the ball to first base. Then who gets it? Naturally. Okay. All right. I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Well, that's it. Say it that way. That's what I said. You did not. I said I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Naturally. Yes. So I throw the ball to first base and naturally gets no, it. No. You throw the ball to first base. Then who gets naturally. it? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. You're not saying that. Excuse me, folks. All right. I'm sorry. Now I throw the ball to first base. Whoever it is drops the ball so the guy runs a second. Mm -hmm. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. A triple play. Yeah, it could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't care. What was that? I said, I don't care. Oh, that's a shortstop. Wingfoot, the 36 holes, Tillinghast imprint on this 280 acres. A joy to play. I mean, that's the only word. It's just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's not joyful. Wingfoot's a golf club first. And the the way that people gather at Wingfoot is different 
than most places you go. And you hear that all the time. If you bring friends up to Wingfoot, even people have been there, you know, that moment when they're in the grill room and it's, you know, you finish playing, let's say at four o'clock and it's now six o'clock and you're, everybody's laughing and having a great time. We're like, oh my yeah. God, I never want to leave here. Yeah, and exactly. Why I would think you want to leave? By the time of year at six o'clock, you might be going back out for an emergency nine. All right, Billy, we Bobby. are back. We are back, Billy. Back by popular demand, right? We're getting a lot of people talking about this podcast. Yeah, and I got to say, it's been several weeks since we started this. So the group behind us is a little annoyed that we're only on the seventh hole. <laughs> First time you and I ever hold up a golf course at Wingfoot. And were you playing already? You were. You oh, yeah, were... I was playing. Yep. I can remember we would uh, go in and get a brown cow or something at the term, you know, and I realize now the bartender probably hated us because he had to go in the kitchen to get the ice cream and <laughs> looking back on it i bet he hated seeing the the little Harmon kids come in there on mondays you know and i again caddied but so did neil christie one of our he's won the club championship in a number of tournaments a wink very fine player even till today he caddied for judy rankin ah my best friend okay so you can needle her if you want oh i did her. we already every time we're together I said, I'm sorry I took it away from you because you know, she never won it. She never won to open. It was that birdie on 17 or you would have been tied. Oh, that's true. Very true. We would have had a four-way playoff. So she she um, three-putted quite a bit. And Neil's a good player. And he said, after three days, you know, we didn't do much back then. The caddies did the old show up, shut up, and keep up. <laughs> you know, and if you were asked for your opinion and Neil, Neil could read the greens as well as anybody there. And and finally, he said to Judy after the third round, how many cups of coffee do you have a day? She says five. Judy, Judy, one, one cup tomorrow. That's it. I wish to congratulate my fellow inductees, Tim Fincham, Marion Hollins and Tiger Woods on this very special occasion. We are all here enshrined together for our sport's greatest honor. Tiger, I know it's hard for you to believe, but as young as I am, I won all my tournaments before you were born. <laughs> and, and by the way, Tiger, of my three US Opens, the total winnings was a $16,000. I was wondering if you'd like to swap checks. Perhaps, if not all, we could do one. Okay. Uh, and we went up to Saratoga together, and you know, I saw my first catastrophe there where Umbrella Man fell and broke his leg, and it made me sick to my stomach to see. So you get the ups and the downs, but there is no elation like the elation of handicapping a horse race and being right. Here was Louise Sugg's quote about golf. Golf is like a love affair. If you don't take it seriously, it's no fun. If you do take it seriously, it breaks your heart. But that was the year Ben Crenshaw won. And I was down there uh, on business. The, uh, one of the firms that I was associated with took a bunch of people down and they rented a house and we had a big barbecue. So it was probably... 25 of us in this house the night before at a party, maybe eight or 12 of us stayed there. <clears throat> but at this party, we're all telling jokes and everybody's laughing like crazy. And somebody gets the right, the bright idea. Everybody throw $20 in a pot 
And the first person that runs into someone they know at the Masters wins the whole thing. Tom, the guy who brought us down there, accuses me of coming up with that idea, which is not that far from the truth, because I knew a lot of guys who were going. So we all get in there. There's like 25 of us. Where do you want to go? We walk past the driving range. And within four minutes, hey, Billy, how you doing? Guy I knew from, from Bronxville. I was like, that's about two grand in, in the hat pool. <laughs> golf is golf. And we all know what happens there. Horse racing. I'll go back maybe three or four years. I was at Saratoga and I was uh, fortunate enough to get to know Shug McGahee, who's a Hall of Fame trainer. Yep. And uh, this is a big race. It's the Whitney at Saratoga. And and Shug invited me to come over to his stable in the morning to check it out, which is, you know, great to do. And he had a horse. I think his name was Honor Code or one of those horses, Honor Code horses, and uh, running in the Whitney. And I had looked at the racing form and I was with a friend, Watson. And I said to Shug, you know, and Shug does not tout his horses. He will not tout them. It's not, he doesn't tell you they're good or bad. It's, you know, he's a professional horseman. He's not a gambler. He gets his horses ready. He's a Hall of Fame trainer. And I said to Shug that day, you know, I got my hat's off to you because you don't duck anybody. He says, what do you mean? I said, the horses you're running against are, you know, five or six or seven of the best horses in training in the world right now. And he said to me, I don't give a damn about them other horses the way my horse is now. Oh, I was, oh, oh. I was like, out of his oh. horse. I, I folded my racing form up. I said, I don't need to look at this another minute. Nothing like the match that Sean Connery and uh, what was Oric Goldfinger's name? Um, Gerda Frobe. Gert Frobe had at uh, in Goldfinger, where Bond misses a short putt at the end, and then they, you know, it's like strict rules of golf. You played the wrong ball. This is the trouble with Harry. Yes. Forsyth is a fabulous actor, and Shirley MacLaine. This is, I think, you mentioned. This is kind of her entree into the movies, right? First movie. John Forsyth, who wasn't a big star, but he was he was a very competent actor, went on to be Bachelor Father in a TV series back in the 50s or 60s. Then he went on, probably best known for being the voice of Charlie on Charlie's Angels. The acting's great. The plot's good. And there's a, it's kind of humorous. They keep digging up the body, putting it back. Nobody knows who killed you know, you know, the whole thing. And you know who else is in that movie is uh, Beaver, Jerry Mathers. He's the little kid. He's the little kid before uh, before leave it to Beaver. He he did this. How casual everybody is about the body. Put him in the bathtub. We got him, now. We got to iron his pants. You know the whole thing is it's it's very good. Can you give away any secrets of, of your theory of of scaring people? The psycho shower scene made many women afraid to take a shower in a house where they were alone for years. Some to this day. Well, I had um, a letter from a man who said that. Uh, my daughter, after she saw the French film Diabolique, would never take a tub anymore because they had a scene with a man coming out of a tub and taking his eyes out. Some horror scene. Yeah. He said, and after seeing that, she'd never take a tub. Now, having seen Psycho, she won't take a shower. Mm -hmm. As a result, she's very unpleasant to be around. <laughs> so I replied, I said, dear sir, <laughs> Send her to the dry cleaners. <laughs> uh, I went over to him and I introduced myself and I said, excuse me, sir, 
Um, it's a pleasure to meet, you know, sirs, it's a pleasure to uh, uh, meet you both. I just, I'm just um, in awe of, of what you guys have accomplished and whatever I said, I probably sounded like an idiot like I do now, but, um, and I, then I said, and they're both very, you know, gentlemanly, of course, and very respectful, but they're kind of looking at me like, all right, you know, here's just some other schmuck who's coming up to bother us when we're on our vacation on our way to dinner or whatever. And then I ended by saying, you know, my, my father had the great fortune to, um, to call some of your matches. And it was Arnold who turned around and he said, oh yeah, what's, what's your father's name? And I said, my father's Frank Gifford. And his eyes got really big. Same with Lee's. And Lee came over and gave me a hug. And I guess, I think it was either his son or his daughter who was just on their way to USC or is thinking about going to USC, University of Southern California. And he, they were just the coolest guys you can ever imagine. And Arnold Palmer, I'll never forget, he said, when you see your father, you please say that I said hello to him. And I was, and that's like, sounds silly, but the way he, the way, I mean, he's Arnold Palmer. Billy, what do we got today? This is unbelievable, incredible. We're in the Wingfoot locker room. And I'm just going to say, this is the Belmont, the third leg of the Triple Crown, right? And we're on the poker table too, by the way. Oh, yes. Are you touching all oh. the bases, boys? We're on the poker table. You can see the poker table. But we will everything. Poker, our special guest is uh, Chris Mara, who has an extensive knowledge of both winning and losing money at the racetrack <laughs> with, with horses and any other side bets, split pots and everything else. Uh, been following the horses as long as I've known him. I think he caught the habit from his father, as did I. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know how many Belmont Stakes we've been to together. We'll go to this one again probably 10 or 12 of them, including the day my uh, youngest daughter was born, much to the chagrin of Chris's mom, who looked at me like, what the hell's the matter with you? But, <laughs> <clears throat> but it was the Belmont. That was the year of Lemon Drop Kid. Well, wait, wait, this wait. year, there's no Lemon, Hold on, Billy. lemon Drop Kid. Your your mother had a few children. Did your father have the occasion of being at a track when one of you were when she was in labor? This well, could have happened by accident. No, but I, I will say this. Um, Maybe it was you. <laughs> I will say this. My dad go, used to go to the Derby um, every year, and there was a lot of first communions on the first Saturday in May that he missed. <laughs> well, I suppose he can be okay <laughs> for that. But he never missed a birth because of uh, no, he never. A two dollar. Uh, he might have missed show. one on a scouting trip, but way back when. Well, that's work. I wonder yeah. if it ever crossed his mind to maybe switch to Lutheran or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had one service, and you yeah. can you can miss a lot. I know one thing: the rhythm method didn't work. We had eleven kids. So. <laughs> and the Cubans. Oh, I love the Cubans. They are so wild. <laughs> So much to be, you know, grateful for, and spending time talking with you guys today um just you know puts an exclamation point on that because uh you mm -hmm. know all of these stories remind me just how much fun i've had and then how grateful i am at bedtime growing up i would say to them every night you're having a wonderful childhood in case they ever ended up on a talk show but would you be willing to stake 10 of the best putters at cyanide against 10 putters from wingfoot play a course somewhere a few holes at cyanide and a few holes at wingfoot and see who comes up the winner if the uh, if the Cybernoid guys were allowed to drink before the tournament, I would. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. Another Collins, I, you know, if it was another Tom Collins, they might have to put me to sleep. So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, when my dad and uh, first started caddy and he introduced himself uh, to Gene and he said, I'm Pat Collins. He goes, 
Collins, uh, you bet you have a, a brother named Tom Collins. And he goes, hey, Tommy, Nosha. <laughs> <laughs> what about Caddyshack, Billy? You know more about Caddyshack than Bill Murray, I think. No, I, I was funny. I was with a caddy yesterday, and he found out that my brother's uh, Danny Noonan, and he was spitting out quotes left and right, left and right. And I started working Wall Street in 1982. All these guys were doing Caddyshack quotes. And I was like, I didn't know anything about it. I'd seen the movie once. Um, and I didn't have, these guys had all the quotes down. So, I mean, I'm not as knowledgeable. And I know, you know, just talking to my brother about things and stuff, some of the inside stuff. But he, uh, he didn't play it for a while. And then they started, you know, probably about 15 years ago, they started asking him to play back in like celebrity tournaments. He started playing in those. Um, and he, he got the game back in. He's probably the slowest guy I've ever played with. Uh-oh. <laughs> he got into uh, Zen golf. And I, I told him at one point, I said, I don't know much about Zen, Zen golf, but you got to pick it up a little bit. We played at Wingfoot once, and I was playing with him and Tom Lynette. And Tom Lynette said, who's my fourth? I said, my brother's the third and the fourth. <laughs> Seven East. And thank you for that introduction. Hey, Bobby, <laughs> how does it feel to be talking to us and not having to make people get out of the way so we can tee off? <laughs> it feels a little different to be honest so me and birdman went out early in the morning ran around played 18 holes and then we get a caddy in the afternoon and we ended up caddying for uh, george burns i don't know if you remember him the old oh pro. yeah the golfer sure yeah. he was really really you know at one time he was really good as a matter of fact it wasn't that long afterwards i believe he came in like second or third in the u.s open yeah. So we're caddying for him, and we, we had a blast in the morning. We're out there caddying for him. I, I have his bag, and uh, and it was three amateurs. And and the loop was kind of mundane. It started off very quiet, very slow, and whatnot. And we were, you know, we were excited. <clears throat> so finally, I, I got to Seven East, and I went to George Burns. I said, you know, I'm not, you know, I've had enough. You know, let's make, let's have some fun. I said, I bet you five dollars in front of the three amateurs, you can't par this hole. And he looks at me. And he, you know, he, you know, you know, I just came in second in the U.S. Open. I said, all right, you want to make it 10 bucks? <laughs> so we get to, we get there and I, I'm, I'm up at the tee. Birdman went out for caddy. <clears throat> and back then you had the persimmon wood. So, you know, you didn't hit it the, the way they hit it today. But he, I mean, absolutely Sunday tattoos, his persimmon drive had to be 280. I mean, right down the middle. <clears throat> and that's when I knew I won the bet. Because the pin was all the way in the back right-hand plateau. And I knew that he was going to try to shut me up and make birdie. So he went after the pin and came up in the middle of the right-hand bunker. And we all know that. The only way you're getting that up and down is if you make the 15-footer. So he had a great bunker shot, rolled to the left, and now he's got this 15-footer. And I said, you know, we got 10 bucks on this now. You want me to read the puff for you? He goes, leave me alone. Miss the putt. Break, what do they say? Breaks to New York City, right? New York City's it. to the left. That's right. And City, uh, City's gonna fight it. And 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 that the loop, the amateurs got a huge kick out of it. And it really um it really kind of made the day. And and that's why it's one of my favorite holes. It there are two stories, basically. <laughs> um Bobby, Bobby told the story the other day about Bobby me. Collins. Bobby Collins told the story about me trying to hit the ball, you know, open the face of the five wood and hit the ball on the green because I hit a really long drive. It was easy to hit a long drive because the, <laughs> the uh, turf was frozen. But I hit a really long drive and I thought I could get home and I hit the tree and it dropped in the lake. 
And I, and I started marching out in the lake. And he said, what are you, crazy? I said, no, we're going out there. Well, he didn't know that, that I had done that previously. Maybe the week before, I, I hit it over the trees. But it didn't get far enough, and it stopped out in the lake. So I walked out in the lake, and I wedged it up on the green and made my par. He, he, well, the following week when, when I hit the one and it hit the, it hit the tree and dropped down. And that's when I walked out on the ice with him and he thought I was nuts, but, but, you know, we, we survived, by the way, it was walking out. If you walk out on the ice, it creaks and <laughs> it scared the hell out of, out of, uh, out of Bobby. <laughs> yeah. He Wrong. said, when you hit that wedge, he heard the crackle sound. He said, Oh, that's <laughs> the end of it. Yeah. Please don't hit behind the ball. That's right. And so he was the man. He was, uh, uh, I got along with him uh, really well. He was very funny all, all the time, kind of like teasing members and stuff. A lot of yeah, laughing. Yeah, I remember. Um, he, was, he was the best. Um, and so, I remember uh, one yeah. of the stories about Sal was when somebody was, somebody's wife was calling and Sal would say he's not here. And then the wife finally said, Sal, when are you going to stop? lying to me and sal said when are you going to stop asking me <laughs> <laughs> so it was really funny yeah he would uh you know you know mr shields yep so mr shields and mr harnett used to play like once or twice a week every week and they would come over to to the uh, to the locker and you know go into the shower you know together very slow and then at the end they would say to sal Okay, so so I'll see you. I'll see you. And he kind of like didn't uh, uh, remember when he was gonna come again. So Sal was like, "All right, I'll see you when I see you." Just to clarify something, that story you told about Sal, uh -huh. and Mr. Shields, and Mr. Hartnett, you said they went into the shower together. I just yeah, it was, to clarify it was, that <laughs> they, they didn't go at the same time. Shower. This they is, went. This is they went they, separate they, showers. They just went into the room together, right? Exactly. Yeah. What I just learned is that the Wingfoot membership owes the Grateful Dead a great deal of gratitude. Because <laughs> there, exactly. would be no, there would be no Birdman at Wingfoot if if it weren't for the dead. Well, actually, you could you could say you could you could turn it around and say actually I owe the Wingfoot membership a lot of gratitude because without Wingfoot I would have never gotten any of those concerts. I, I got one one last great story for you. I, so I'm caddying for Jerry Haas, who's Jay's younger brother, in the Open at Shinnecock, and Billy's caddying for Jay, um, guy by the name of Lynn Strickler, who was a legend, was caddying for Curtis Strange, and we're playing a practice round. And Tom Watson joins us. Bruce Edwards is caddying for Tom Watson. So we go out. The, uh, Watson just joins us. So Bruce stays back in the tee because Watson's still getting his act together. So we go out on the back nine. We're four caddying. And I just come off a Grateful Dead tour. And they look at me and they say, we know you're holding. Get it out. Break it out. So I pull out a joint. We light it up in the practice round. And Lynn is kind of fumbling around and he goes to Billy. Billy, give me a cigarette. Billy goes, what, what do you want a cigarette for? And he says, and he, he had a voice like Clint Eastwood. He said, I don't want to have to tell Curtis he's got 138 to the front and have it come out Lebanese. So hand me a cigarette. <laughs> Hi, cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Right there. you got a smile on your face because you know a million cheeseburgers in any old track. You know, the characters are still all out there. Hey, truck. 
Who you like in the first? Doc? Who you like? Right. Come on. Come on, tell me. Come on, it's cheese. Talk, who you like? Whispering. <laughs> Nobody in his right mind bets the four horse. <laughs> the four horse is a joke, Trotter. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's a wrap. <laughs> Thanks for joining Billy us Casper. today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please. Marky. Subscribe to the Twitter. show and hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified Movie classics. of new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit him hard job. and hit him off. That's 36 holes. I'm having a very good day. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, 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 well, at least we have the laugh to add at the end. <laughs> that, that's what happened. Somebody changed my grip and the next thing you know, I can't do the podcast anymore. I felt like I was in the first row of the uh, first pew at church right during the sermon. <laughs> and your brother was poking my you. Brother, my brother was making me laugh. Hit him hard. Job. And hit him off. That's 36 holes.